So hi folks, hello once again and you're very welcome along to another program, to another edition of Down Your Way. Well, I'm here in Feathered and I'm outside, believe it or not, the ballroom of romance and I'm with a lovely romantic person, <laughs> Mary Henrahan, how are you doing? Good morning, I'm in Fortigo Fjord. Ah, um, I'm one of the founder members of the Feathered Historical Society. I'm nearly afraid to say that now because we're in operation so long, Eamon. But yes, history, and if you love, if you like history, I'm always saying this to you, if you like history, Feathered is a great place to be. Absolutely, terrific, yeah. And I know we're going to go through it all, we're going to do kind of a walking tour of the town, but we're outside, as I say, the ballroom, as I say, the ballroom of romance. Yeah, it's many years ago since uh, people, many of us uh, danced into that place. We won't go into the vintage there now, Eamon. Yeah. But yes, you're right. And actually, this it, it's wonderful. This building has just been refurbished. It began its life, of course, as a cinema and then became a ballroom. And as you say, for, for, for I suppose, in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, it was the centre of social life. Not just in Feathered, people came from all over. And, and, and uh, all, all the major bands at the time and Joe Dolan, of course. Yeah. And I remember when he came, there was no dancing. People stood shoulder to shoulder. It was just packed. Yeah. But I, I remember last year we were down doing the book fair here and I was inside the door. I couldn't believe, believe you me, I couldn't believe how small it is inside uh, from the time we used to go dancing here uh, all those years ago. It, it was savagely packed. It, it reminded me of kind of like Croke Park. <laughs> I know. And I suppose that's our memory, isn't it? It was big. It was you know, loads of people. It was the place to be. Uh, of course, it's fantastic for the book fair. And we hope, um, obviously COVID intervened, but we hope to have our book fair back again second weekend in February next year, please, God. Absolutely. I know uh, Sean Donovan, of course, is very much a part of his chairman of this group down here, isn't he? Uh, he is. He is yeah. indeed. And, and he does and a lot of work, a lot of work for it. And the ballroom committee, they, they're so dedicated. And as you know, raising funds, and they had to tackle the roof and all kinds of problems here. But they did it with the zest and that wonderful local community spirit and the ballroom is good to go again. I have been driven to come back here for the last number of months since we came back on the radio since after COVID. Ian O'Connor, you know, a good friend of ours and Tip FN, had made sure that I was going to be back here. Great. Now, he's, he's in school today, so he's, he's probably doing something for... Well, he'll be doing his with his business students, etc. But uh, yeah. yeah, Ian is very, very involved and a great promoter of Feathered. But he's right. If you want, if you want to see a, a very historic town with some really nice eateries, etc., come to Feathered. Absolutely. So we're going to go on a bit of a tour of the town. Indeed, the town is quite busy this morning. The town is very busy this morning. A lot of through traffic, as you can see. But you can also see Dukes across the road, a uh, lovely little restaurant there, and lots of people heading in for their morning coffee and scones and breakfasts, etc. That's uh, practically new here, is it? It's, it? it's here for three years now. Award-winning, we can say with truth, since he opened. Uh, Richard um, is 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 the chef, a chef owner, and he's into slow food. Very quite quite eclectic dining, and I mean we're really really lucky to have a place like this in Feathered. It's actually become a destination. Destination. Absolutely. Uh, are you native of Feathered? I am not a native of Feathered, but I can say my dad, who was originally from the Glen of Arhalo, actually grew up outside Feathered in a little place called Kilconnell. Uh, out in Coolmine and so I have lots of family here and I, I came here through my through my teenage years etc and then of course when I married back in a long 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 time ago in 1981 I came to live and work in Feathered and I'm here ever since. Yeah. And you got involved in the uh, one of the founder members of the Historical Society? Yes yes I, I was teaching I had four small children and I really felt I needed something for myself and coincidentally at that time Joe Kenny and Martin O'Shea came back from a wonderful lecture by the late John Bradley Mm -hmm. uh, all about feathered and he came back fired up and enthused and called a public meeting and I was one of the people who went along and I'm part of it ever yeah, since. Yeah. 
I'm sure you have a lot of services doing very well here in the, in the community. I'm just looking around. Beautiful, beautiful town, tidy village, tidy towns oh, are doing well. Tidy towns. And again, they've just, again, COVID intervened, as you know, but they've just started. And under, again, another member of the Historical Society, Mary Healy, has just taken on the chair of the tidy towns. So knowing Mary, I expect great things going ahead. Yeah. So what actually am I going to see here today? You are going to see the finest example of a small medieval wall town in Ireland. Oh, Amen. Absolutely. That's what you're going to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, a number of years ago, we were down, there was an open day or something in the village or in the town. And yes. It was, and it was massive. I, it was massive, it was. And we've had, our, we've had our medieval festivals. They went on for about eight years. And now we have what we call a community fun day, which involves the whole community again. And I suppose that's the wonderful thing about small yeah. towns like Feathered. You know, people coming together and giving their time and their commitment to make it a vibrant living place. I know we're going to pay a visit to the horse and country. Oh, oh, the feathered horse country experience. Something to be experienced, Damon, yes. And I'm not going to tell you any more about that at the moment. We'll keep that as a little surprise when we get there. Okay. So, okay, let's Let's go. go. Let's go walk about in feathered. Yeah, yeah. So where are we? We're, We're here in the valley now. We're going to walk down the valley and as we walk along you'll have a chance to see the whole expanse of the town wall as it is. We're very lucky Eamon. Um, the town wall, the chart of which was granted in 1292, uh, you know, obviously took, took quite a while to build so it's standing really since most of the wall is like 14th, 15th century but still standing after all this time. And it was a, it's over um, a kilometre in length and most of it would you believe is still intact and that's quite unique in Ireland. So so how did the wall come about in the first place? Ah, And again, that's a really interesting uh, feature, I suppose, of our Irish history. When you think of the wall towns, which of course there are lots of them in France and Germany, but then the walls were built by the natives for (laughs) defence. The Irish, of course, do things differently. Um, The native Irish living here lived in the countryside. The, The Irish, you know, didn't build towns. So it was when our Norman friends came, the Norman invaders came, and they built their castles, their motts and baileys, and then their castles, their stone towers, and their towns. The towns were a huge... It was their way of putting their imprint on the landscape. And the town was central to their administration process. And they built the towns, and they built the walls for defence. So it was the invaders coming in who built the walls to keep the natives out. Okay. <laughs> so so we, the Irish, were outside, and the Normans were inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, of course, when they started, it would have been a wooden palisade, you know, yeah. because... As you know, stone walls even now are expensive to build, so you can imagine back then. And when they did get the chart, I mean, the town was founded in the early 1200s. We have William de Braise, whom we credit as being the founder of Feathered, talking about my borough of Feathered in 1208. Mm -hmm. So we know at that stage Feathered was in existence. As I say, the charter to build the town wall didn't actually come until the end of the century, 1292. And, And then it would have taken quite a bit of time. But just like nowadays, when you want to do something, you levy a tax, <laughs> and no different back in Norman times. So they levied a murage tax, mur being the French word for um, tax, and of course the Normans came originally from France, so we get a lot of that kind of that, that French influence coming through. So the murage tax was levied on people coming into town to, to pay their goods. And you can imagine, to build a wall, the size, the height and length of, of the feathered wall took quite a time. We don't have records about that, but we do know that in Kilkenny, you know, which was founded around the same time, that it took um, almost 100 years to complete the whole circuit of the wall. So we would give a similar time frame here in Feathered. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, at we're, we're, we're in the valley. Uh, they call it the valley anyway, but I think we're walking up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's OK, I mean, it's a very gentle hill. Yes, we are. And what you got, it, we're lucky the trees are in, in leaf and the sun is shining. And you really couldn't ask to be in a nicer spot. When you look across here now, uh, you will, you'll be able to see the full expanse of the town wall. And what's really wonderful is that it has been restored, as you know, um, that was a project undertaken by the, a group called the Friends of Feathered back at the end of the 80s and um, they, they uh, undertook the restoration of the town wall and we'll just, we'll just hold a minute now Emma because huh, the would you believe the trees are getting in the way but you, just through the trees you can see the crenellated tower of Holy Trinity Church and that's the medieval church okay. that was, that's again, that's here that would have been one of the first buildings to go up in the town and you can see how impressive the, the belt and the bell tower itself dates from the 1400s but the church is there again from the 1200s and of course that was the centre of medieval life yeah. um, remember it wasn't your birthday that was celebrated it was your feast day <laughs> in, those times. in those times and the church was central to everything yeah. you were born you were baptized mm -hmm. uh, all the festivals the harvest festivals everything else that was all blessed by the church uh, the church was the center of everything of course it, it pervaded every aspect of your life from the time you were born until the time you died and was hugely powerful mm -hmm. so you, it was you had the you had the I suppose you had the temple power of the kings and the lords and then you had the spiritual power of the church which was equally if not more uh, impactful on people. As we walk on a beautiful tarmac road, it's absolutely magic. And we're talking about medieval times in, in, in the radio show, but my God, there was no sign of tarmac in those days. <laughs> no, there wasn't. And this was, of course, out here was where, was where our, our native Irish were. And in this area, it was, this was the land, Eamon, of the McCarthys and the O'Briens. So they were here. And, and, um, on, as I say, living a very rural existence. Uh, remember, our, our Irish ancestors were cattlemen. And now as you look along, you can see the whole expanse of the town wall that has been restored. And of course, we have our river, the Clash Orley, on Clash Orling, the beautiful stream. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you're going to have a town, you need a water supply. The, interesting, there's ladies waving at you. See, the feathered nave, very friendly. <laughs> Good morning. Absolutely, ladies. yeah. Good morning to you down there. Uh, You're going to be on the radio, Jacinta. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, a, and a little dog doing well behind him as well. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Look, at, we're going to take our very first break. We're here in Fedot. We're here in a beautiful scene, a beautiful scene as I look across at the, the, the old wall of Fedot. We're back just after these. Indeed, you're very welcome back uh, to Down Your Way. I'm here in the medieval town of, uh, of Feathert uh, for this week's edition of uh, Down Your Way. We've just come over a, a bridge, the medieval, the medieval, no, no, it's, uh, it's the Millennium Bridge. Yes, Feathert has its Millennium Bridge, Eamon, because as you can see, the walkway comes down along the river, but there was no way of crossing over. So back in 2000, the Tipperary County Council put in that bridge. And there was not, actually at the time, there was a little bit of debate, should we go for something very modern and have, you know, something mm -hmm. that signifies the 21st century? But that didn't happen as you can. It was a stone bridge, which actually stood out quite a bit because it was brand new. But now you can see with the Irish weather, it's weathered in very nicely. And you'd imagine it had been standing almost as long as the walls behind it. Of course, when Feathered was built, um, there were five gateways to Feathered where we started up at the ballroom. You were right beside Madam's Bridge. And you can just see down there then Watergate, obviously the bridge that comes over the water. And then there were three other gates. There was this East Gate and... Uh, 
Pierce's Gate, which are to the north of the town, and then the North Gate itself, which is the gateway through which our children go to school every day. Mm-hmm. And that's the only one still standing. But the but the, you can see the remnants of the gate towers. And again, the county council, Tiberi County Council, are really on board with this now, and they put in rumble strips where the gates were originally. So that's wonderful. So as you go around, you can see that footprint in the town. We're going over the little river. You mentioned uh, oh, the Clash Orley, on Clash Orling, the beautiful stream. Yeah, yes. beautiful stream. Uh, there's very little water uh, as we pass over. I know, and I, I talking. We had a meeting last night actually, and some of our members are farmers, obviously, because we're in a rural area, and they're just saying, while the rest of us might bask in this gorgeous sunshine, the the, wa- the water shortage is actually causing problems now for the land and for the cattle, etc., etc. And and as you can see, the river is yes, it's it's there, but it's not visible. But you can see, you can looking at the width of it, and you can see when it is in full flood, it's it's, it's quite an impressive yeah, river. Yeah. It's nice to see the the felistrums and the candid weeds and all that, the environment around it, all kept intact. All kept intact. And again, our Tidy Towns recently did a walkabout with an environmentalist getting advice on the best way to manage it. Of course, further up, there is a beautiful reed bed, you know, um, for the sallies, so for people who want to do reed work and rush work and that kind of thing. And that's that's there. That's there a very long time. I imagine going back to medieval times, actually. And again, the fact that it's there, it's minded, it's protected, and still in use is wonderful. Morning. Now we're just right alongside the wall. Yes, and look up, Eamon. Isn't it so impressive? You can see the height of it. You can see how we would make a strong defence. We also believe that in its original inception, the water, the river, actually would have come right up to the wall and been part of the defences of the town as well. Because if you think of coming in across, you'd be very, you'd be highly visible from up there. Uh, you'd have to cross the river and then you'd have to try and scale that wall. And you can see there are mural towers dotted along and this mural tower here has been restored. This is part of the restoration of the wall and again beautifully done. And if you look at the crenellations on the top of the mural tower, match the crenellations on, on the bell tower of the church. So okay. beautifully done. And actually that, in 1992, the Friends of Feathered won an award for the work they did on this on this wall. And then they got further funding of 20,000 uh, to continue that. So it's wonderful. And this shows us what the wall would have looked like when it was first built. What are the little gaps along the top of the wall? That's so you can, <laughs> the guys behind when they're defending the town, they can literally come forward, fire out either their cannon, uh, when they got to have cannon, uh, or, or their, their arrows, and their, later on their rifles. So, and then, but then they're protected behind the wall, you see. So you can come forward, fire, and then step back. And you'll see that if you look too, look at the slit windows in the mural towers. Okay. If, you're, if you're up there, that gives you advantage point. So you can fire out your arrow, but very hard for anybody to hit you because you're well protected. So look, at if you and I were hoping to break into this place <laughs> all those hundreds of years ago, we wouldn't have much hope of survival right where we are right now. No, we'd be sitting ducks, I think, Eamon. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily today you don't have to scale the wall or try to uh, breach its, the defences of the town. We have the key to the little gate down here and we can go through there. Now we just have to come through a magnificent, beautiful design gate and all the rest. It's about, uh, about four foot wide and about ten foot high or maybe yes. fifteen foot high. Yes, uh, how and, and, look, and if you look behind there, Amos, look, what was there originally, a little portcullis. Mm-hmm. So if you were on, for the unwary, it would come down on top of you and cut you in half. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously part of the defences of the town. Yeah. Now this gate obviously wasn't here in the original incarnation, but it's a later addition mm-hmm. uh, because most, for the, for the most part, the access to the town, as I say, was granted by the, the five gateways. Mm-hmm. But what we did find out, uh, you've probably heard of... Uh, uh, Professor Tygo Keefe, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day when Ty came here again, the end of the 80s, he was appointed by the Heritage Council of Ireland to do an, archeolo- an 
an archaeological and architectural study of feathers. So he spent nine months here, and people, the local people, gave him access you know, to their gardens, and which, of course, bought the town wall. And what he found out, and I'll show you, um, if you come with me. So, okay, so like the guys were in here. Uh, these were the townspeople who were living in here, these is that it? These were the townspeople, and we believe William de Braes uh, was a big friend of King John in England, and it was John who gave, King John who gave him all these lands in, in Tipperary and Limerick. Mm -hmm. And we, as we say, we, we, we look on him as the founder of Feathered. And uh, so they built the wall. And of course, we believe the people who came over were his tenants from Wales. Mm -hmm. And how did he get them to come here? How do you get people to leave their own country and come and settle in a town when the native, the native Irish outside, I'm going to be too happy to see you. They, by coming to here, by being townspeople, they had certain rights and privileges. Mm -hmm. And then the various charters granted by the various kings enforced and reinforced those rights and privileges. Okay, yeah. That's how he got them to come. But what Ty discovered down here and in, in other parts of the wall as well, the, what we call little sally ports. So what these were, Eamon, is from the outside, the wall looks fully thick and strong and whatever. But if you look here, you can see at this side, it's much, 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 much thinner. Yeah. And that's what's called a sally port. So in times of attack, right? If you wanted to take your enemies by surprise, you could break out through that. Okay. And literally sally forth and surprise them. Or another way, you could also use it as a route of escape. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't visible from outside the wall. Yeah, it so it was another, it was, an, it was, a, it was a little, little trick they had of giving themselves an extra uh, advantage if they wanted to either attack or escape. Okay. So what kind of a person would want to break in here? <laughs> it was the Irish. It was, it was the native Irish. Because you can imagine, because I think... As you know, the, the Irish chieftains kind of gave, paid kind of nominal tribute to Henry II when he came. And the reason he came, of course, was because uh, our friend Strongbow had arrived to help Dermot McMorrow, famously in 1169. And, but what Henry didn't want to see was one of his knights building up a power base in Ireland. So he came to redress that balance. And the Irish chieftains kind of, I think they thought, oh, he's come and he'll go away again. Mm -hmm. They didn't realise that actually by paying tribute to him, it would start an influx of Normans and start that invasion which it duly did. So, of course, you know, it's like anything. If people invade, you're not too happy. You want to kind of reclaim. So yeah. oh, this and this, this, this was this. There were, and of course, you remember, too, that this was Butler territory out there in Kiltynan mm -hmm. Castle. Um, that was that was the stronghold of the Butlers, the Butlers of Dunboyne, actually. But of course, all related to the Butlers in Kilkenny and Care and, where, uh -huh. you know, etc., okay. etc. Et so so we had that's why we had the Fitzgeralds and the Fortuners attacking here. They attacked Feathered. Okay as a reprisal for and something they almost got. How many would be in those armies that would be trying to well, attack? <laughs> no, we're not quite sure of the population of Feathered. It's not a huge town, as you can see, um, even though the church is absolutely ginormous. And what that tells us here is not so much about the population, but about the wealth of the population. Because if you can build a church like that and spend money in the 1400s on a bell tower like that, which is purely a bell tower, not used for residence, mm -hmm. it tells you that the people here were very, very wealthy. Where did the wealth come? It came from the land outside because, of course, when the Normans came, they brought tillage with them. Mm -hmm. And so they started They started clearing the forests. When they came, most of this land was forested. They cleared the forests and they started tillage. And, and they had the manor system, which, okay. was, which they used in England as well. And so that's where they got their wealth from, from the land. From the how land. Much, by the way, how much of this wall is left? Uh, actually, I'd say about 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 eight tenths of it. Most of it is still intact. Okay. Uh, I have a little map there, Eamon, which I brought along with me. It's our it's our medieval it's our guide to feathered feathered medieval town wall. I'll open it up here for you. And if you can see, that's 
So most of the wall, all that, most of the wall is still intact, still standing. And an awful lot, you can see all along the valley, people have access to it now. Our new Eastgate Park, which opened two years ago, that gives access. And what's really special about the Eastgate Park is when you walk along that, that part of the wall has not been restored. It has been conserved. So you see it exactly as it stands after 800 years. And I think that's magical. Absolutely terrific. I'm talking to Mary Hanran, historian. You're absolutely brilliant. <laughs> We're back just after these. Are you very welcome back to Down Your Way, just inside the walls. And I'm looking at a massive church here in front of me. Uh, Tell us about this church. Is this a community church? This is now the Church of Ireland Church. When the when the town was founded, this was the heart of life in medieval feather. This was this was the church. It was originally dedicated to John the Baptist and then rededicated to the Holy Trinity. And if you look, Eamon, you can see the ruined archway down there. That was actually the original high altar. So the church extended from there right down to the bell tower. As I say, the bell tower was added in the 1400s, absolutely beautiful. And what's interesting about the bell tower, you have the beautiful tracery on the window. In your very Norman bell tower, you have a beautiful window created by Irish craftsmen. So you have the two cultures coming together, and that makes it very, very special. But I always think when you step in here, you're, it's, as you, you can hear in the distance, you can hear the traffic. Yeah. When you step in here, you're actually in the heart of medieval feathered. And everywhere you look, there's something that reminds you of the history of this town. Absolutely. It's just magic, isn't it? Look at the wall all around it and it's still very much standing. It's very much standing. And thankfully it's still in use. As I say, until it, it, there were Augustinians here and they were the crutch friars, they were hospitalers. So their mission was to look after the sick and the yeah. poor and the old and the aged and people who didn't have anyone to look. So this, this church and this area actually served as a hospital. And then what we call uh, Feathered Castle, that was the administrative um, part of, of the foundation. And then Edmunds Castle, that other big mural tower you saw just before we came through the gateway, that was where uh, the friars would have lived and, and, and carried out their, their, their pastoral duties. Now, what's good to see, uh, there's lots of other things to see, and our time is getting tidy. It is, uh, and if you look here, you can see this magnificent building. Would you, this dates from 1608. It's one of our younger old buildings, <laughs> if you like, and it's the, where the, the, feathered, horse. the feathered horse country yeah. is, is, um, is, is housed there. And you can see, just look at those three chimneys, Eamon. And look at those. And I mean, they date from the very, very beginning, those two. This one was reinstated as part of the restoration of that building. But if you look at that, that building originally was built as an almshouse, okay, by Sir, by Sir John Everard in 1608. And an almshouse, again, is like hospital or an old folks who to look after people who have no one to look after them. But look at the size of it and look at the money that was spent. And what that tells us, it reflects the wealth and status of the Everards and the wealth and status of Feathered at that time. Most unusual chimneys. Most you unusual. Know, what I'm thinking of, <laughs> I know it's madness, but I'm, what I'm thinking of, uh, how would you clean the chimney? <laughs> <laughs> well, what we do, we know that in the 19th century, back in the 1800s, they used to send little boys up, didn't they? Whether they did that in feather or not, I don't know. Yeah. But no, but you, and, and look at it. I mean, they're so ornamental. They're so very beautiful. Oh yeah. And yet this was for an almshouse. Do you know? Absolutely. So it, 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 know it's just incredible. We're going to be traveling in India. But maybe before we do that, we have to, you know, Connor wants me to, to visit where Sheila Nagig is. Oh. I, I have no idea what he's talking about, but maybe you want to fill, fill me in on it. A little bit of mystery. We'll go okay. look at the Sheila and I'll tell you all about her. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to come through a massive gate and a massive lock on it. And uh, <laughs> I did all in our best to, to lock it up again and all the rest. 
And Mary, look, at if a bus or a group of people want to come from any part of the county or the country to see this place, how are they going to get into where we're after coming through? Well, well, luckily, fortunately, from Tuesday through Saturday, uh, the Feathered Horse Country experience is open here and all inquiries, I suppose, should really be directed to them. Yeah. Now, it, it, the Feathered Horse Country experience is an entity in itself, but if people just want access to the grave, to the, to the mm-hmm. church and the wall, that's no problem. They're allowed to go through. Unfortunately, given the world we live in, Eamon, we can't leave the gates open unattended. Okay. And, and, and that's just a fact of modern life, even in a little place like Feathered. But also, of course, the Feathered Historical Society, uh, we do guided walking tours uh, by arrangement for groups and historical societies, etc., etc. Yeah, there's so many of you involved. There's always someone. There's always there's myself, there's Terry Cunningham, there's Colin McGrath. And now we have three more people. We have Pat Luby, our local art teacher, who's an incredible fount of knowledge. Mary Healy, the lady I mentioned earlier, who's the, now the chair of the Tidy Towns. And, and Michael Mallon, our new chairperson. So plenty yeah. of people. To take you walk about and feathered. Okay, there's lots more to see. We're on our way. On our way to see Sheila. We have uh, moved on uh, down through Watergate and of course a beautiful little bridge there and uh, you're looking for one of the ice to be cleared out and all the rest. And in, in We the are. In the meantime, I mean, here we are and as I said, look up and see can you find the lady on the wall. The witch on the wall, as she's sometimes called, or, or not so happily, the hag on the wall. And Eamon looked kind of shocked when he actually found her because she's neither fine nor handsome, as they say. She's she, she, <laughs> the I, she. I, 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 I think Eamon's in shock. <laughs> I actually didn't know what's going on. <laughs> anyway, to explain, for the, for our viewers, for our listeners, I should say, she's a, she's a stone carving and she's not very pretty. And really, and her, she's got extensive ribs, prominent ribs, her teeth and her, her face is, is carved very crudely, if you like, uh, in workmanship. But she, and the, and the reason we know she's female is she's exposing her genitalia, which is not very polite. But what is she? The great thing is, I mean, we really, really, really don't know. There's lots of uh, theories about her. Lots of studies done recently. Uh, uh, two young people uh, uh, have taken on uh, a whole, a whole, um, what would we say, scientific approach to the Sheilas, and they've done a whole study of them, all of Peach Power and her and her partner, and uh, they've done this. So they can tell us how they're constructed and what they look like and give us 3D images of us, but they cannot yet tell us what they were for. What we do know is they're, they're, they're contemporaneous with the Christian tradition here in Ireland, often, would you believe, found on the exterior walls of churches. And, and when you look at her, what is she? Now, different. some people believe that it's a continuation of a pagan cult of fertility. Some people believe it's kind of a Christian anti, anti-women thing, if you like, anti-misogynistic, mm-hmm. saying that you know, beware of women, beware of the sins of the flesh. But as I say, these are all theories, these are all postulations. Nobody really, really but, knows. But as we look at it, it's all imagination, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but she's, if you look at her too, she's pretty fearsome, isn't she? Oh, you know. Her teeth and all the rest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's grimacing yeah, at us. Yeah, or, yeah. So, you know, she's, she's definitely a warning against yeah. something. Yeah. And, and she doesn't look too happy. And as I say, she is not, she is not pretty. She is I, not I pretty. I feel like Nina Connor walks his way down here. <laughs> See, can he figure out what's going on here? <laughs> well, we're, we're very pleased to have her there's another one down in the in the grounds of the Augustinian Abbey and would you believe I was oh, recently oh, told another. we have another and there was a third a beautiful one out on the church in Kiltynan unfortunately that was stolen back in the 80s and has never been refound it was it was it was it was at the time when lots of those ancient artifacts including mm-hmm. grave slabs were being stolen but anyway this is our Sheila and she's a woman of mystery and pretty intimidating I think Eamon oh, you can say that again <laughs> <laughs> so-
I know there's so many things that around here we, we're just passing Feathered Castle uh, now uh, yeah massive looking building once again a huge yes hugely important again part of the Augustinian foundation that we just visited Eamon and if you look at it it's actually not a castle it's a fortified townhouse but here in Feathered it's always been known as a castle so we are not going to dispute it with the locals there was also a rumour when I came to Feathered that it was a Templar castle but it's not it's related to the Augustinian mm, the yeah. Crutch Prize but again you can see the original slit windows part of the defences of the town and then that later those little hooded windows were put in so by looking at the building you can actually read the history of it Tell me, do you have uh, you have the Augustinians here? Tell us about the story of the Augustinians here in Feathers. Yeah, well, you see, these crutch friars came with the, with the foundation of the medieval church. And then in 1305, a man called Walter de Moltcote offered land to Augustinians to come, regular Augustinians to come and build outside the town wall. And mm-hmm. they came here. They came from France, of course. They came here, settled. But their mission was to minister not just to the Norman people inside the town, but also to the native Irish. Okay. And when we go to the, visit the Abbey, you'll see there's a lovely, lovely, lovely surprise in there. Not much more beautiful. Another female figure, but much more beautiful than the Sheila. Okay. Uh, we're looking at a very classical old, an old building. Uh, beautiful old restored building. Just recently restored, I, I imagine at great expense, because this building dates from 1770, and it was in quite, you can see it was actually subsiding at the front, mm-hmm. the facade. It's listed, of course, so it had to be preserved. But the lady who undertook the job did a magnificent job. And you look at it, Eamon, it's from 1770, Corinthian columns carved one of the oldest original shop fronts in the whole country. But even more, local law tells us it was carved by women. Again, a bit like the Sheila, we don't know who these women were or what they were doing, but carved by women. But here in the valley of Schlieve, Naman, Vian, the mountain of the women of Fion, it seems very appropriate the women figure in the story. And O'Shea is over the door. And O'Shea is over the door. <laughs> Achieved a name. Yeah. I just want to say hello to our good friend uh, here in uh, Feathered, uh, Walter Maloney, a uh, great sportsman indeed on, 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 on the sport for many, many years. And indeed, uh, we want to wish him a... Uh, uh, good morning for a start and uh, I'm sure he's well up at this stage and, <laughs> and all the rest and then he's trips down to Wexford and Dublin and all the rest. But anyway, we're here at, uh, at the Augustinian Church. Uh, what a beautiful place. It's a fabulous place and again steeped in the history of Feathered. As I say, um, it, w- it was founded in 1305 and the Augustinians have been here since. Of course, with the penal laws and, you know, thing, things got very difficult and the, 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 the friars were banished. Uh, after the 1640 but they still held on they, they they kind of stayed locally and of course the famous father William Tirrey uh, who was who was martyred under the Cromwellian ma- regime in 1654 he came here ostensibly as tutor to Lady a- Amy Everard's children but actually as prior of this abbey mm-hmm. and interestingly it's called an abbey amen which makes you think of huge a huge foundation like the Cistercian church out in Kilcooley or something actually even though it's called an abbey and that that's the name it goes by here it's actually a priory mm-hmm. and but you can see it's very very beautiful yeah. and again the ruins tell us that it was much much bigger in its original incarnation mm-hmm. and but as i said the friars were banished and for about 60 years they were in absentia mm-hmm. and then they came back in the early uh uh, 18, uh, the late 1700s and early 1800s and then would you believe in the 1800s there was a revival of church building the Church of Ireland community decided their church was too big so they made it slightly smaller and the Augustinians were allowed to come back and start and, and start um, servicing the people again giving service to the people yeah. here and preempting Catholic emancipation by 10 years the people of Feather were allowed to build their, their present Catholic 
parish church on the main street in Feathered, and that opened in 1819. So tell me, just two churches now, two Catholic churches in, uh, in Feathered. And, um, and we're very lucky, the Augustinians are still here, our Church of Ireland is still in use, mm. our, our parish church is still in use, and obviously church populations and things are falling, but these wonderful buildings are here, and just by looking at them you tell the, the, mm-hmm, the, the mm. story of Feathered. And remember I promised you a lovely lady? Mm-hmm. Well, the lovely lady is Our Lady of Fatima, beautiful stained glass window but what's special about this stained glass window and it's something you'll notice when you see the colours they're absolutely stunning it is of course a Harry Clark studio window and reflects all the skill of the Harry Clark studio people Magnificent We're here in Feddock and with Mary Henran we're back to the final part of Down Your Way just after these Indeed you're very welcome back to the final part of uh, Down Your Way we're just on our way up um, we're up to the, to the town and country, or horse and country. Had that horse country experience. Yeah, absolutely. And we just dropped into a restaurant on the way up, and we want to say hello to the lady. Hi, how's it going? Hello. Hello. You're very welcome to, the, to, the, to Down Your Way. You're from Ukraine? Yes. Yeah, tell me. What do you do here? Lovely, beautiful restaurant. Yeah, Mary, you're going to yeah, talk to uh, me. Yes, Alla is a patisserie, uh, and she's from Ukraine. She's here about 15 years. Her husband works with the horses in Kulmore. And a few years ago, she opened this beautiful patisserie. And you look, Eamon, look at the display of cakes and buns. Um, not, not so good for the hips, but very good for the lips, Alla. And then, when the Ukrainian crisis broke, of course, Alla was literally one of the first people in the country to respond. She opened up her restaurant one Sunday. She sent out an appeal, and there was a huge response. And she uh, she raised an awful lot of money to help uh, to help the situation over there. Yeah, look, congratulations on that. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you're, you're very bad. I know you. I think you were on with Fran at the time. Uh, on Tip FM. On Tip FM, you're probably on. Uh, usually, usually my husband. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was very busy with cooking. Yeah. You made national headlines, and, and rightly so. Yes. Yeah, for yeah. all the great work. And yes. And the, the Ukraine is over, what, near 40,000 of uh, Ukrainians here now? In Ireland? Yes. About, yes. Yeah. Yes, about 14. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, every success, and uh, every success as well uh, here in Fedot and the community really support you. Um. Yes, they, they are very nice people. Uh, big support from Irish people. Absolutely, terrific. And you're totally welcome here in Ireland. Thank you. Mary, we, we have now arrived at Horse and Country. The Feathered Horse Country experience, Eamon, yes. And uh, this building was restored over four years with public money, funding from Leader, Tipperary County Council, the Heritage Council, of course, were on board, and also Fort Ireland. So everybody on board to bring this building, this wonderful building, back to its original state. And as you, want, as you go through, you'll see how well it was done. Actually done by a man called Pat Tallis, who's from Kilkenny, mm-hmm. but we won't hold that against him. And then when all that was done with public funding, uh, Coolmore came on board and they the Magna family of Coolmore came on board and they sponsored what you see the audiovisual downstairs and then over two floors this wonderful interactive and it was done by event management and they're the people who did the Titanic in Belfast and the Epic in Dublin so we are in really really good company mm-hmm. and with us here today is Connor Higgins he's the gatekeeper shall we say of Feather Horse Country Experience the man who brings people to Coolmore and he can answer any questions you have about oh, how this place operates. Connor you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's terrific to be here in your in your premises. Look at I'm just in the background here. It's absolutely magnificent. Oh yes, this interactive display really gives people an insight into the whole area of Feathered. You know, whether you're local or from farther afield, I find you get an insight into Feathered as an area. Uh, brings you back through the ages, pre 
um, Coolmore existence, uh, brings you back to the history of the horse through the ages, and then brings you right through to the modern era that we have uh, in our top floor of our exhibit here, where you get an insight into Coolmore stud. Of course, yeah, Coolmore, of course, just outside town here. Just outside town here. We're very grateful to have them here. They're such a great um, supporter of the local community. Uh, we find here this exhibit is one that people can come and visit us here, and through the exhibit here, they can also then be brought on a guided tour of Coolmore Stud, which we organise through the summer period each Tuesday and Thursday, which you get a look behind the gates the, at the hollowed ground of Coolmore Stud, see how the stud itself works. And the whole thing works really well in conjunction and we're very grateful for their support here. Absolutely, I'm just looking at a beautiful, beautiful uh, film of... Mm. That would be Kiltynan Castle there yeah. in the background. Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber would be a patron here of the exhibit as well. Uh, we have a very lovely introduction video that he kindly sponsored the unique music in the background to it, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you'll only hear it here at the exhibit. Mm -hmm. um, Kiltynan, obviously one of the other uh, brilliant studs in the locality, and uh, famously where Charles and Camilla came to stay on their recent visit to Feathered. So we're, not, we're well accustomed to lots of famous faces in the area. Absolutely. T talk me through, talk me through, talk me around this building for the start. Uh, we're in a ballroom, I believe. We're in the old ballroom here. Um, obviously we, we, we started this programme in the ballroom of, of romance. Is this another romance ballroom? This, this would have been another romance ballroom. I'm sure a lot of Irish dancing was done here over the years, so it was. And it's nice to see now that it has a, a new purpose in life. Um, so we start off the exhibit with an exploration through the earlier eras of Feathered in itself, right back as far as Cromwellian times and pre that as well. Yeah, I just recommend the background, Mary, here. Um, yes. We were through this place today. We were through, uh, through Holy Trinity Church, and here you can see they have a display too of the, of the Mason's Marks. Because remember, mm -hmm. our Masons, the wonderful Masons who built all these buildings, were illiterate, of course, but they left their imprint with their own individual marks, and you can see those both in Holy Trinity and down in the Abbey as well. <coughs> the pictures, the photographs are absolutely brilliant. Yes, and all, these black and white photographs, bar one or two, all relate to the Kenrick collection. Mm -hmm. And you remember, of course, Joe Kenny, you've heard of jo Joseph Stallworth of Feathered. He runs the Feathered website, uh, one of the founder members, too, of the Historical Society. And it was his granduncle, actually, Patrick Kenrick, who took those photographs between 1895 and 1905. And Joe, and he had his dark room here on the main street in Feathered. Mm -hmm. And it was, Joe was instrumental in getting that uh, dark room opened up with glass plates, over 900 of them, in pristine condition. We got funding uh, from the Heritage Council to print them up. And so when it came to putting this exhibition together, we had lots of relevant material readily available. This must be a bestseller for you here. Oh, it certainly is. You know, the, we get a lot of people coming here initially with the horsey knowledge in their background, but then they get a real insight into the historical side of it as well. You know, it's very important to remember what came before the modern era of the horse today. So the exhibit then leads you nicely through uh, how the horse is connected to the area right through then into more futuristic times, which we'll see further along. Absolutely. I hear something in the background. Is it either a natural race? There's a couple of races being heard around the building, and obviously then on our top floor, we've kind of got uh, our pièce de resistance. Is we have got the skeleton remains of the most influential sire probably of all time in Sadler's Wells, mm -hmm. who obviously brought... Um, feathered to fame and resulted in every every one of the mayors in this country wanted to get a 
ticket to see Saddler's Wells themselves, so they did. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you've only been able to fulfil part of the County mm. Tipperary with all the horses and the stables and, the, and oh. uh, indeed the, the great places of, of note for producing horses. Oh, certainly. Tipperary has become known as kind of the, the epicentre of breeding the thoroughbred racehorse, so it has. Um, but even before that, we kind of, the exhibit here goes back into our pre-times when hunting was very, very popular here in the area. Mm-hmm. Something that's meeting its challenges in the modern era, unfortunately, due to insurance reasons and everything like that. Our hunting is struggling a little bit now. But if it wasn't for the olden ways, the horse that we know today wouldn't exist now. Mary, what are we looking at here? Uh, this beautiful, beautiful animal. This is an Irish draft stallion standing locally. And uh, you can see the Irish draft, of course, also played a huge part in, in Irish life, working life and sporting life. And again, the, and again, the original photographs showing you the different uses of horses. That's one of the... Now, that was, uh, that was a photograph donated by Mary Sullivan next door. at uh, an old sepia photograph showing the soldiers from the barracks watering their horses down at Watergate, where we were earlier this morning, Eamon. And mm-hmm. if you come through, then you can see again, here it tells you all about hunting, steeplechase, point to point, all of that. And there, through our north gate, again, which I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and there, I, I mentioned to you yourself, uh, our north, the, the, uh, the north side of our square is gone, but the original incarnation was the Everard townhouse, replaced by the Barton townhouse in 1752, which then became the Feathered Barracks. And here you can see them uh, outside. And that building, of course, was, was fired during the... Uh, during the, actually during the Civil War it was burnt down by one side so the other side wouldn't get it mm-hmm. and all the, it was left standing the facade was left standing to the 60s and then it was demolished but luckily enough the actual pediment of the door, the doorway, the main doorway was saved and that's now the entrance to our tennis court so as you walk through Feathered reminders of our former history Absolutely. Hunting, steeplechase and point to point they're all here and of course you have farming at its best down, 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 uh, down in Coolmore we're very lucky here in the Golden Vale. We've got the very best of land for farming. Obviously, where Coolmore is a huge supporter of the locality, we employ over about 1,000 people locally, so they do here. So a huge supporter to everyone, uh, families far and wide. And I suppose we have a lot to be grateful for them because Feathered probably, without the existence of this stud, would be one of those villages that time had forgotten here. Um, and it's great then that we see such thriving businesses opening up more and more recently in the area. We have lots of development, lots of cafes and everything like that, all directly related to families related to these farms. Obviously, here we have uh, wonderful imagery of the day-to-day workings of the farm, everything from our hay harvest, our oats harvest, how we're in more recent times then trying to be much more ecologically um, friendly, 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 certainly friendly. Uh, We're blessed here we every time a farm is purchased by Coolmore they have their very own nurseries where many many trees are planted in return so we're keeping the area looking well we hope to think Absolutely. so you booked out here for the year is that the way it works yeah well what we do is bookings come in so if you want to take a tour of Coolmore Stud we recommend you get in contact with us uh, we book you in for our slots on either the Tuesday or the Thursday uh, the tour is limited to exclusively limited to 20 people every day so it means you get a much more personal touch you get a lot of inside little stories into the place it varies every every day you know so we keep it fresh and current so we often get people coming back time and time again because there's something they learn every time they come to this experience well look at it. it's a lovely a lovely trip here we're, we're tidy on time mary indeed uh, uh, I, 
Connor, it's a, we really appreciate you coming on the program and inviting Tip FM along here to your uh, to your beautiful premises here. And uh, if people want to get in contact, do you, do you all know the number, I'm sure? They all know the number, I'm sure, and you can get us online at Feathered Horse and Country Experience. Absolutely. Mary, for all your uh, efforts today, uh, thanks very, very much. A brilliant, brilliant experience for myself to be around, Amazing. especially about the, the Great Norman Wall and all of that. Thanks, Simon. Always a pleasure to have you back in Feathered. Slong of all. So that's my lot for this week. My thanks to all our guests on this week's programme. Don't forget, we are back with another edition at the same time next week. Until then, have a very good week. Bye-bye.